This is a podcast from ABC Overnights. Here's Michael Pavlich. It's often amazing when we do this segment on profile pieces and we feature some stories that I've never heard of before. We often have never heard of the people involved before, but we end up uh, discovering some pretty fascinating and incredible Australian stories in this segment. And this morning is no exception because we're going to talk about Alice Anderson. It's someone I know very little about or knew very little about, but uh, having read her story, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I now know much more about her because it's a fascinating story. Loretta Smith is an author. She's also a teacher, a research consultant, and she's a uh, arts, youth arts worker as well. She's written a book called A Spanner in the Works, The Extraordinary Story of Alice Anderson, Australia's First All-Girl Garage. Good morning there, Loretta. Good morning, Pav. Thank you for joining us. You're very welcome at this ungodly hour. Come on, <laughs> this is the best time of the day, Loretta. <laughs> now, I, I'm amazed by this story, having never heard of this person. My, my better half hadn't either, and she's pretty up on her Australian history too, uh, interesting women uh, from Australian history. Never heard of Alice mm. Anderson, but and the more we talked about it, it was just a fascinating chat. Uh, she's one out of the bag, isn't she? She certainly is, and a lot of people haven't heard of her, uh, which is one of the reasons I wrote the book, when I stumbled across her myself and thought, my goodness, this is an amazing story, and it's real, and it's an important part of Australian history. Hmm. So, look, we need to, I suppose, set it up here. Alice Anderson, she ran Australia's all uh, first all-girl garage, uh, and this is at a time, she was born in the 1890s, this is at a time when I wouldn't have thought it was... Uh, very popular for women to get underneath the bonnet of a car and to get all greased up. But uh, she certainly went ahead and uh, that's what she wanted to do. And not only did she do it for herself, but she went on to teach a whole lot of other young women how to be mechanics. Not only that, but how to drive, how to look after their cars. She was very much uh, a pioneering feminist in many ways. Yes, she was. She was sort of ahead of her time and of her time in a way because it was just... Um, post-World War One, when she got started and that period between the wars did allow a little bit of extra freedom for women and of course the motor car came along and uh, Alice's father was a mechanical and civil engineer and that's where she got her smarts from I guess and she just um, went ahead despite the odds and was quite successful. Indeed. Now, she started off, She actually, as you said there, her father was an academic um, and was connected to the university circles, and they were actually quite well connected, the family, but her father ran into a bit of trouble, and uh, the family had to move to the country and move away from the city, and it interrupted uh, her education as well. Mm. Yes, yes, it did. Um, yes, one of... One of um, uh, her father's major faults, Joshua Thomas Noble Anderson, known as JT, uh, was that he had a brilliant mind, but he had was a very poor money manager. So the whole family went from rags to riches and rags again so many times. But uh, by the time Alice was about 10 years old and she was the middle child of, of six, uh, they ended up having to live in their summer cottage that was really just for holidays in Narbathong in the um, Yarra Valley, not far from Healesville, and they just lived like pioneers when they really did come from fairly, you know, high society. The uh, uh, Alice's parents were both um, Irish Protestants that had come out from, from Northern Ireland, and, uh, yeah, they mixed in the upper middle-class social circles. 
Yeah, look, and as you say, they sort of had the had a bit of a connection there. Moved to the country would have been a you know a bit of a strange move for all, for the girls in the family and the boys as well. But certainly, it was embraced by Alice, and she. She became a little bit of a tough little unit there living out in the country, learning to <laughs> hunt and to fish and to a bit of bushcraft. So it was sort of good for her overall personality, would have to say, that move. Absolutely. I mean, um, the, her older sister, Frankie, uh, really felt it was a fall from grace, as did um, uh, her mother. But uh, Alice was a real tomboy and, you know, she loved running around in the bush and loved nature and loved reading and she was he often found up a tree reading a book. <laughs> and They had bicycles when they first started out, so she'd be rushing through the bush on a bicycle and then they got a horse and she was the first one to run off with that. And, of course, the next step naturally was motor cars for her. Yeah, it sounds like a natural f- next step as well. I mean, she's she's such a fascinating character in many ways. The fact that she was sort of drawn, almost drawn to cars. In fact, because she she started repairing them, didn't she? But even before she, as she started to learn how to drive them. Well, um, that was heavily encouraged because uh, you know women were starting to learn how to drive, but of course it was men that was teaching them. Um, no one, no female that I'm aware of with the research I did, was actually asking to study mechanics except for for Alice. But um, it was encouraged to understand some basic maintenance because, uh, you know, you're talking, you know, uh, early 1900s really, 1915 onwards, um, you didn't have to drive very far out of any major city to be in the bush and you didn't have a garage on every corner. You didn't have RACV coming to... Uh, tow you back so uh, you really had to understand some of the basics that could go wrong if you're out on the road particularly if you're a woman on your own yeah look very interesting she also undertook a couple of uh, quite long trips didn't she she drove up to the northern territory i think all the way from melbourne at one point is that right yeah, uh, that was her idea of a holiday after about a decade running this motor garage and she designed her own garage and had it built and decided she would only have women that she would employ and they all had to, um, you know, go through her training system no matter what skills they came with. And her idea for a holiday after about a decade of that was to take a friend and drive to Alice Springs and back in a 1926 baby Austin and people weren't, People were, you know, maybe circumnavigating Australia and doing these kind of road tests around the place, including some women. But um, she went in 1926 where there was a 40-year drought. There were no made roads and if you broke down in the middle of the desert, you're a goner. But she got to Alice Springs and managed to make her way back home successfully. And the only thing that happened with the car was a flat tyre. So that's really testament to her skill and ability. Incredible. And maybe stupidity driving reckon, all the way out there. <laughs> I reckon the uh, the roads would have been pretty pretty rough there. And you put it in context. There, there weren't roads. They were unmade, yeah. most of them. <laughs> well, we've got to put it in context. This was only 50 years or so after the Burke and Wills expedition that Alice has got on this. Well, yeah, uh, I hadn't incredible. really thought of that, no. but you're right, yeah. <laughs> Um, a figure like this that, as I said before, that we don't know a lot about, I mean, she's not um, you know, a feature in Australian history books, was it difficult to uncover information about her? Was it difficult to sort of get a bit of a sense of her personality? 
look, there, there were a few interviews that had been done uh, with her sisters that were recorded, uh, and uh, I did come across um, her historian, Dr Mimi Colligan, that had actually, back in the 80s, had written an article um, about Alice Anderson in a book, and she only did that because, she one, she was an historian, and, two, her mother learned to drive in the 1930s at the Alice Anderson oh, right. um, motor garage, even though Alice had, had died by then, but um, the garage still kept going, and, and so she wrote about her, and, and in the early 80s, a lot of the garage girls, were, they were elderly, but they were still alive, uh, as were some of Alice's sisters, and so there was a bit of information, but I did have to dig very deep and someone told me, look, Alice died in 1926. You're not going to get enough information now. No one will be alive to to even re- recall her. Um, so I started writing it as historical fiction, but, you know, I'm like a dog with a bone, so I just kept chasing down. Uh, one of the more difficult things was finding relatives of garage girls so I could not just write about Alice but some of the personalities that she worked with. But, uh, you know, I came across a few gold mines after digging and and did find enough to actually write the whole biography, which um, I'm really pleased that I was able to do that. Not only you, but Linda as well. I've got a text here that says, Loretta, your book is wonderful. I read it after hearing about it in the middle of the night a couple of years ago. I highly recommend it to everyone, <laughs> says Linda. So oh. there you go. There's oh, a good, fabulous. Good yeah. reference Thanks, for you. Linda. We are talking to Loretta Smith this morning, who's the author of a book called A Spanner in the Works, The Extraordinary Life and Story of Alice Anderson and Australia's First All-Girl Garage. Look, I mentioned... Um, Loretta, at the time, there would have been a fair bit of uh, men looking down their noses at the sort of things that Alice was doing. Did she get much support or otherwise from the men of the era? Um, look, she did have some some male clients, high profile, because she always promoted that. Uh, you know, they were men were certainly able to access her services, but they just wouldn't be on the payroll. So. Uh, but there, there was one, uh, the Williams Garage round the corner in Glen Ferry Road, I think it was, because Alice's Garage was in Coffin Road Q. Uh, they were very supportive, but the rest of them, and of course all the garages were all male, really tried to undermine her business. Um, you know, they were either women that didn't know what the hell they were doing or they were unnatural. Right, unnatural. So they couldn't win either way. Yeah, inverts. <laughs> okay, I'm guessing the unnatural thing is allu- alluding to their sexuality, or <laughs> yes, and okay. and whatever else they could throw at them. But but yeah, I mean, they they're, were witches. They're, I did. They were witches. Yeah. <laughs> witches. Oh, they were doing something that they shouldn't be doing. You know, not that women couldn't do it. It's just men claimed that that was yep. you know hands on grease and oil stuff, and women weren't to be around it. But and look, I did. Um, proved that there were a few women that uh, were actually lesbians that worked there, and Alice may well have been too, but, uh, you know, when you're writing a factual book, you you can't um, uh, state anything unless you can find facts based on it. But they all, a lot of them, there were some that were married to men, but a lot of them looked young and boyish and were often mistaken for for Mm. boys or young men. Not that it uh, has anything to do with the story or neither adds or uh, subtracts from it in a way. It doesn't really matter about her sexuality. All we know is that she was a pioneering woman woman working in an area that was totally dominated by men and she certainly made her own mark, which, you know, is... uh 
pretty of a rare thing, I would have thought, in the 20s. Now, we need to go a little bit forward to her death because there was some controversy surrounding the way she, she died at a very young age. In fact, she died uh, in, in the 20s, way before even the, the Great Depression, at a, at a very young age. So what happened there? Yes, well, um, that wonderful trip to Alice Springs and back that she did, and being entrepreneurial, she got sponsored to do that um, in return for telegrams that she'd send back as to how the, the car was faring. So she was sponsored by the one of the Austin car distributors and um, an oil company. Uh, uh, but less than a week after returning from that historic trip in which one of the major newspapers interviewed her um, and she returned apparently sunburned and happy, um, and less than a week after returning from that trip, she was found fatally wounded in the back of the garage with a gunshot wound to her head. Well, did you uncover anything in your research that led you to think, to believe that she might have taken her own life? That was certainly uh, the rumour going around. And even uh, you know, up until very, very recently, the area around those inner eastern suburbs, any families that had a vague recollection of Alice's garage um, thought that that was possibly what happened. Um, one, because possibly she was in debt, and two, possibly because um, she, because of her sexualities, possibly. So. Uh, it, it was all kind of up in the air. But, I look, I dug deep, and, of course, I cannot absolutely prove the conclusion I've come to in the book. But uh, after talking to people, I'm pretty certain that that's pretty much how it played out. So she was cleaning uh, a rifle and a shotgun uh, that uh, she borrowed from a friend to take on the trip, and uh, she was cleaning them at the back of the garage and uh, then... I think one of her, there were two garage girls in the garage at the time uh, and I think one of the girls was asked by Alice to go and get her Colt revolver, which her father had owned, that was passed on to her brother and then on to her. So it was an old gun uh, and that she thought she'd clean that too. She was on the way to return the guns to her friend and have dinner yeah. and talk about the trip. And... Uh, I think when the young woman handed the gun over, it accidentally went off. They didn't realise there was a, a bullet left in wow. the barrel. Uh, it, and I, I, I think, one, there was an inquest, and I looked into that, and it was very clear that at least one person lied at the inquest. And then Alice's older sister, Frankie, uh, her granddaughter wrote uh, a, a sort of the story of her, her grandmother's life mm -hmm. uh, because Frankie in her own right, Frances Derham, was uh, a well-known artist. Uh, uh, so they're all very high achievers. I mean, Alice's younger sister, Joan, was the head gardener for Lady <laughs> Dame Nellie Melba. So, mm -hmm. you know, they, they did all sorts of interesting things. Uh, and that granddaughter, finally, Frankie, just before she died, said that they lied to protect a 16-year-old girl. Oh, the other girl. So it sounds like it was an accident. I mean, if she was cleaning yeah. three guns, you would have to think she was actually cleaning the guns. If she was going to uh, commit suicide, uh, you'd, unlikely there'd be three guns involved. So you'd have to say that the coroner's report was uh, was accurate in that case. And it sounds like from your research there that, that that may be the case, which is sort of nice to know, at least, I suppose, that she 
didn't die in an untoward way and just was just a very tragic accident. And I don't think she would have done anything like that in front of two of her employees. Mm. And she just didn't have that sort of personality. I know, you know, you hear so many times people commit suicide and and, uh, you didn't see it coming. So, I mean... The, the thing is too that the the uh, forensically the the gun kind of shot across her forehead. Now, if you were going to kill yourself with a gun, you wouldn't be looking at that angle. Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Now, I've got a couple of texts here that you'd love. This one. This is uh, this is hi Loretta and Pav. Uh, I learned to drive through the Alice Anderson Driving School in the early seventies and learned well. That's from Sue. So it went all the way to the seventies, did it? Well, not really. Um, it went up to – it never was the same after Alice died, but it went up to World War Two oh, yeah. because there were women that were really loyal to keeping the memory of Alice going and the garage going. But um, once once the Depression hit and it went into the 30s, uh, men um, really dominated everything in terms of the car industry. So uh, it, it, it sort of – puddled along until World War Two came along and the women that were left ended up joining the war effort. Yeah. Uh, and but it 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 sort of dwindled and dwindled and then came down to being a couple of women teaching other women how to drive and they're calling it a driving school. And up until the nineteen eighties, in name only, there were cars going around those eastern suburbs with Alice Anderson's huh. motor school on it. Yeah. And uh, most people wouldn't have even recalled who Alice Anderson was. That's classic. Uh, I've got also should ask you, was she ever involved in any relationships? Did she have any love in her life? Uh, look, not that not that I could pick up. Um, uh, the, she did have men chasing her, and at one stage she wore a ring at the garage, and I know that because she wrote a letter to her mother. Her mother did not approve of her daughter. Her mother was a, a lady, and she no. didn't approve of her daughter doing this blokey stuff at all and was also worried that she was well into her mid-20s by this time and, and not married at all mm. and then was confused that she had this ring on her finger. But uh, I suspect she put the ring on her finger so other men wouldn't bother her. <laughs> she was too busy. She was young and ran, running this business. She didn't have time for relationships, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, now this is this is a great text, and I reckon after reading Alice's story, I'm amazed that this hasn't happened as well. But uh, it says here it would certainly be great to see a good Aussie film made about Alice Anderson. Does it surprise you yes. that a story like this hasn't made its way to a scriptwriter who said, "Hang on, <laughs> I got a beauty here"? It would well... be just a great <laughs> film. Look, it would, and it was optioned at one stage for a TV series, which personally I'd prefer because I think it could could kind of um, outline the broad context of Australian history and where it sits because I think that's a big part of the picture. Uh, but, look, they, they just couldn't sell it at the time. It was just coming out of COVID. So it may happen down the track, but... Uh, it's it's very expensive to produce drama in Australia and you add that layer of mm. uh, it being an historical drama and it's just, it, it takes a lot of money, basically. I'd imagine. But, you know, cars, uh, always a good seller <laughs> for, for well, film and look, TV. You know, women, uh, always a good seller. Pioneering women, I reckon it's a winner, Loretta. I think so too. And it was a top producer, Australian producer, that, that oh. pushed it. 
that had real faith in it. So I suspect it will happen when it when the right time occurs. A question here from Peter who says, the book is titled First All Garage. I'm curious to know how many more it inspired. I mean, were there, were there a spate of all girl of all women garages that opened up around the country or was hers pretty much no no hers hers was it and like the original title was going to be australia's only all girl garage but then i found um a couple i think one at least was inspired by um the story of alice anderson because i ran a facebook page as a blog for a few years before the book came out uh and there's there's one down near the peninsula that's run by all women very successfully, and there's another one somewhere in um, Victoria that is is run. The business is run by women, but they do have at least one male mechanic. But uh, and there's probably others around the country. But after finding at least those two out, I thought, right, I can't say only. But at the time, she was the only all-girl garage up until quite recently. Are there many photos that have survived of her? Yeah, there's. Um, I go back to Dr. Mimi Colligan because she she actually um, borrowed some. You know, I've got little original box brownie albums with photos in them, probably 150, 200. Not all of good quality because some of them came out blurry, and that's just how they are. But uh, you know that these could easily have ended up on a tip. You know, um, but the garage girls. Uh, lent these albums to Mimi Colligan for the research she was doing for her article. And when she went to return them, they passed away. So Uh she held on to them and was doing her PhD at the time on something completely different. But she just held on to them and she had little cassettes that she kept from the 80s with uh, interviews with some people and uh, she she ended up um, loaning those things to me as well. In fact, I, I still have them, um, Dr Mimi Colligan's, uh, in her 80s now, and uh, she said, well, you take them, and when you're ready, you know, uh, give them to an archive, which I will uh, when it's the right time to do that. Loretta, it's so important that we've got people like you documenting this stuff and doing all the work, because there's a lot of research, I imagine, involved with that. I know it was a labour of love. Uh, it often yes. is when you get authors doing this sort of stuff. Uh, I've got, just got to say congratulations and well done and thank you for bringing this story to us because it's really important that we get these Australian stories told. Definitely, and there's a couple of us working very hard to get a statue up of Alice Anderson near the garage. All right. That's our next project. Who do yep. we need to lobby for that? Oh, look, well, you need funding, basically. <laughs> well, the council out there, they'd be sympathetic to that, wouldn't they? Um, well, we, we're working on it. Because I did, I had a st- actually text earlier in the night when I said I was going to be talking about Alice and Anderson, Alice Anderson. Someone said she deserves a statue, and I reckon she does too. Yeah. We've been noting on the program lately, because we do quite a few of these stories of pioneering women, how very, mm. very few statues in Australia there are of women. I think we did some stats on it, but it would probably scare you a little bit, Loretta, if I told you. Uh, no, it doesn't. I know there's more statues of dogs and fairies than there are women. Yeah, there's <laughs> yeah. that one. Horses. <laughs> Lots horses, more horses. Yeah, more horses. Yeah, it's a bit tragic, really, yeah, isn't it? it? Is. But there is a movement called A Monument of One's Own, and also there's um, information uh, at, at the Her Place Museum yeah. uh, in, in East Melbourne, and they've got a Finding Her project where they've actually set up QR codes they're putting on monuments, and you can go on the website, and Alice Anderson is one of those important women that they've included in that process.
That's uh, well done, Loretta, and it's great that, as I said, we pay tribute to these people and remember them fondly as, you know, it was a life well-lived and a pioneering one and that went on to influence a lot of people. Um, Yes. Nice work. Well done, Loretta. Thanks for talking to us this morning. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Loretta Smith there is author of a book called A Spanner in the Works, The Extraordinary Story of Alice Anderson and Australia's First All-Girl Garage. (laughs) 